Today's episode of the Fast Brackets podcast is brought to you by Winlight Bets. Winlight Bets is the fastest gaming action on earth using the fastest motorsport on earth. Go to the Winlight Bets Facebook page, like and follow to be up to date on all the latest information around gaming and your favorite sport, drag racing. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your co-host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. And I'm JP Miller, coming to you from rural Virginia. Welcome to the show, guys and girls. Today is episode 118. JP Miller, episode number 118, that seems like a lot. Um, People keep listening, so we will keep cranking out the hits as we continue our venture to worldwide or intergalactic uh, reputation and or status. Is that right? We are well on our way, Rex. I I talked to a few people when I was up in Maryland at PDRA a few weeks ago, and Got a lot of positive uh, feedback about the show. A lot of guys that, that race in the classes say they love the show, love listening. So that, that's always good. So we appreciate you guys um, and y'all the reason why we do it. So keep tuning in and, and, and we'll keep on making it happen. It, it's so true. I mean, the, the reason why we do this is because we believe deep down in our soul, there's a something right in the middle of your soul i think the cockles of your heart so back in the in the cockles of our heart we believe that our classes top sportsmen and top dragster deserve more they deserve more pub and so that's what we're trying to do so thank you for listening um thanks for all the feedback that you guys give um we take it all in we try to make the show better every single time so that's what we do that's what we do we try to get a little better uh, JP, this is uh, breaking news. I think I better announce this. Um, all right, so it says here, and I'm just going to read this uh, right now. It says, a top climate scientist is warning that climate change will wipe out, oh, get this, all of humanity, all of humanity is going to be wiped out unless we stop using fossil fuels over the next five years. Uh, that is... JP, that is dangerous stuff to talk about. I mean, we're the whole of humanity is going to be wiped out in five years if we don't if we don't watch it. Uh, stop using fossil fuels, according to this. Oh, you know what? Never mind. Hey, forget that. This is dated June twenty first, twenty eighteen. So um, that was more than five years ago. So forget I said that. And just remember, none of these people know what the heck they're talking about. They're all liars. They have no idea what they're talking about. So forget them if they ever say a word about your uh, noisy fossil fuel burning dragster and or drag car. Tell them that they don't know what they're talking about. And that is that. Um, and Rex Simmermaker told you. So that's that's how it works. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm just so sick of it, JP. Every time I read this, like the stuff is just ridiculous. They just make stuff up and they just go on. So anyway, as you know, it is important to me to have our listeners have actual proof and firepower if and when somebody comes at you. So that's just another uh, thing to put in your holster, so to speak, JP. Absolutely. Um, they're always predicting something and they're usually never right. So I don't I don't put much stock into that stuff. Usually um, they're never, ever, ever yeah. right. JP. <laughs> never right. I was trying to be nice. But. <laughs> it's like me trying to win the lottery. Like it's, I have the same success rate as uh, picking the lottery as these people do picking climate change uh, issues. So anyway, the point of the matter is this. We have a lot of time to go uh, keep racing. We have a lot of time to make our programs better, to keep enjoying the sport we love. I mean, lots of time. So let's uh, let's get into it. Uh, we have two great guests today, JP. I mean, I'm really excited to bring both these people on. First of all, Tisha Wilson, standout top dragster, uh, racer and been doing it a long time, but uh, certainly an incredibly tough customer, in especially right now in the PDRA top dragster ranks. Um, also, then we have Joey Jive Cudmore. He is the fire guy. He's going to talk about keeping our rigs and our cars safe from fire. He's got a really cool product uh, that I just want to learn more about because you know of all the things that happen to us, it's one of the things that we. It's, it's hard to prepare for, right? I mean, fires are hard to prepare for. We understand the dangers, but it really can destroy our whole program. And Joey's got a cool thing that can stop all of that. So uh, I'm I'm really excited to hear more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, fire is one of the one of the scariest things, and they can just they can start little and just get out of control really really quick. So anything we can do to suppress that or quell that, I'm all I'm all for it. And, I'm interested in hearing and seeing what what this is that he has to. Yeah, I tell the story over and over that, you know, when I was going down the track upside down, uh, the thing that bothered me the most as I was doing that, I mean, I had, it wasn't very long, but it seems like you have a lot of time to think when you're upside down, JP. Uh, (laughs) Everything slows (laughs) down. And um, outside of, you know, uh, the thing getting in the wall and bounces you around different ways. That the thing that really made me nervous was watching the fuel uh, dump in front of me, and I was like, "Man, this thing's going to catch on fire, and it's going to be a real problem." Very luckily, uh, I escaped that issue. I did not have to deal with any fire, but it did make me nervous. So, um, for all of you guys out there trying to keep uh, your rigs uh, going down the track, um, or sorry, going down the highway safe. Um, in storage safe or keeping your cars um, safe and there's some really cool stuff Joey's going to talk about in terms of even driver safety in our in our jackets and things like that that I'm interested to hear about this will be a really good discussion so guys girls get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show make your commute clean the shop work on that old heap but metaphorically speaking get your helmet on Get strapped in because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get them hot. Let's put this thing in the water box. JP Miller. Hey, man, uh, we've got to talk about something that I 
think is really interesting and potentially important to the sport. We're going to talk about it, how it could be a thing later on in the show. But uh, what we have to do is talk about race cars and their names and or uh, if they're not named. But I believe this is something that is really important. And, and for instance, the Street Outlaw guys have really done a great job with uh, Funny Car Chaos has done a really great job with this and having everybody name their cars, which gives a little more rooting interest to the spectator. And we can we can argue all you want about like, hey, this isn't for spectators, this for just for me as a competitor, fine, fair, but we're missing something there. If we had more butts in the seats, there's a lot more money, there's a lot more action, we're all happier because of it. So just uh, pause on that and let us have this conversation, which is naming our race cars. And personally, I've done a bad job of that. I have not, I've not done a great job of that in the past. I, uh, I've never really thought too much about that. But JP, you have, and rightfully so, you have named your car the Skull Crusher. So before we get into it, let's talk about how we named that awesome Beretta of yours, the Skull Crusher, which is awesome. Um, Hold on, well, just one second, too. And just for the listeners out there, I've caught JP completely off guard <laughs> here. So um, this is the whatever you're hearing, I'm hearing for the first time. So uh, it, I cannot wait to hear any of this stuff. It just, uh, well... I raced for years like our first car didn't have our first car didn't have a, like any stickers on it name anything outside of our, like on the window the driver's name. Um, this car we raced for years with no name or anything on it, and uh, and then like some people may know, some people may not know. I I, I wrecked this car in 2017, and uh, we had to fix it. And then after we fixed it, I ran it for a couple years, and it was just kind of flat black. And I finally got it painted. And I was like, you know, it'd be cool to just put something on the door like back in the old school. When I was young, all the cars had names. Like, every car had a name. And when you go, you look back at drag racing, like in the 80s and the 70s, and, you know, all the cars had names. The heyday is what you're talking about. Yeah. You're talking about the heyday yeah, and it of was, drag racing. You know, yes. packed with fans, and, and everybody could identify. As a little kid, like, I might not could tell you every driver, but I could tell you like from my local track, I could tell you that I knew the strip teaser car. I knew the lawman cars. I knew uh, the over the hill gang car. I knew all of these guys. It was just local guys, but they all had names on the car and it, and it was cool. So to me, I think it's kind of been a resurgence of that. Like with, like you say, the street outlaw guys, mm -hmm. the guys, um, some a lot of the some of the pro my a lot of the pro my guys are, na are naming cars and stuff too. But I'd like to see more people doing it in the sportsman, you know, ranks and and, and all of that. As far as how I came up with Skull Crusher, I don't even spill it. <laughs> Absolutely, it's time to spill it, JP. Well, it, <laughs> let's just say that. It kind of had a dual meaning. At one point, uh, I don't want to get way into this, but at one point, <laughs> I might have had a situation with 
somebody else and it kind of had a dual meaning and then i was like i'll put skull crusher on it and they were like why and i was like because i'll crush them on the track and i'll crush the skull off the track with me and we'll just leave it we'll just leave it at that <laughs> but really not that <laughs> really wasn't my intent like the just it, it just came up with it one night uh there may or may not have been some adult beverages involved with that um so but no it's 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 all in good fun and it, it's all strictly on track um uh, right now i ain't been crushing nothing but we, we'll get there <laughs> yeah that's well that's kind of the the fun thing about it right is you get to subliminally talk some smack right with with the naming of a car like that obviously um you know we have to be gentlemen out there we don't want to be we we don't want to be swinging on dudes when we get back to the pits no not at all not at all that said um you know like the naming the cars obviously you got to have a little bit of ego you got to have a little bit of pride you got to have a little bit of uh you know a little little ish to your game so to speak uh when you name your when you name your car so i i think it's cool stuff um you know i I'm not going to go into, um, you know, uh, if everybody has to detail how they came up with their name, that's not it. But but let's give those people some credit. Let's give the Street Outlaw guys some credit for bringing the fans to the track and giving them something to root for. Uh, same thing, the Funny Car Chaos does a pretty good job. The, the No Time guys do a pretty good job with that, right? And... Potentially, I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about this later, but I mean, potentially we could see that something along the lines, maybe in the Factory X class or something like that. That could be an interesting place where people could name their cars and and generate some fan interest in something along those lines. I think it's I think it's possible. And, and our listeners probably have um, probably can name some examples of people that have named their cars that I'm not thinking of right now in the sportsman world. And I think that's great. Um, I just, you know, I, I'm not, yeah. I'm not a full historian. I, we know this. I like seeing it. I like seeing it all. Like I love, I love seeing the program guys do it. Like even like when you look at like uh Jay Cox has got the pumpkin and uh, Tommy Franklin's got the jungle rat. Yep. Jim Halsey's daddy shark. I mean, it's just, you know, it goes on and on and on. And, 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 and I like that. It's pretty cool. Um, you got Savage, you know, guys that run at Northeast. And I, it's just, to me, it brings another element of showmanship to it, which had been missing in drag racing for a while. And we need to get back to that because that's ultimately what puts the fans in the stands. I um, could not agree more. I mean, I think the other one is there's wildly popular Elmer Romero, Craig Sullivan's yeah, car. Craig. I mean, people love that. And it's, it's so cool, the big boss, you know, in in El yeah. Spanisho or whatever. But uh, you know, the the only thing that I struggle with, and this is me personally, but I grew up in a world where you didn't self gloss, right? You did not anoint yourself a nickname, and so from that standpoint, I get a little bit, you know, like you have to um name the car and that has to work and there has to be you know it has to be um kind of a group effort in some way right you just can't uh, anoint it i mean maybe you know, i bet the evening that you named the skull crusher there were other people involved and they were all for it is that right yeah yeah they were they were involved and, and nobody was like trying to stop me so they <laughs> they were 
That's exactly right. Right? They were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it, JP. Yeah, let's go. Do it. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I'm going to have to. Uh, you know, I'm going to have to figure this thing out because I really like the idea of naming cars. And yet, you know, my imagination is so bad, JP. Like I, I go to something along the lines of Top Gun and then my brain just shuts off. So, you know, that's just this is where I'm at. Like I'm going to need some help when it comes time to it. I'm going to have to put the call out to our listeners and help me name a car. But uh, I think it's a great idea and I wish... Um, I wish there was some way to encourage that. Yeah, it, it seems to be making a resurgence, though, man. And it, and it seems to be people seem to be, you know, kind of embracing it more and kind of getting more into the, you know, everybody. Of course, we all sportsmen. We all want to shake hands, you know, before and after the race. But, you know, when we strap in, it's time to tear the other guy's head off. And it's that's that. And 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 that's what we're supposed to do. So, um. You know, a little back and forth never hurt. A little smack talk never hurt. It's 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 uh it's what keeps it interesting, and 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 as long as it you know stays on the track. Um, yeah, yeah. I think up until you hit the water box, I'm I'm willing to loan my tools, parts, who whatever to the guy in the net other lane. Like yeah. And then once we hit the water box, then there are no friends. Uh, we're all enemies at that point and it's, it's time to go to work, but, and then, you know, once we cross the finish line, then we're back to the other thing. So, so I think that's a good trade-off JP. I really do. I think that's a good trade-off, you know, for that short period of time where we're racing, we're enemies, but every other time we're good friends. Yeah. Cause that's, that's what makes it fun. And that's, that's what keeps the, the competitiveness, the competitive drive and the competitive spirit going. All right, so if you're listening to this, comment on our Facebook page in this episode and tell us um, you know, the best name for a, a car that you've ever heard or if you've named your car, and, and it could be your daily driver for all I care, but make a comment and let us know um, what, what you have in terms of naming cars. All right, let's put this thing in the beams. Today, joining us now from Kannapolis, North Carolina, she is your 2022 PDRA Top Dragster World Champion. She won uh, the Virginia National Super Comp uh, in 2008. So that, she's been doing it a long time. Uh, 31 years she's been racing um, on with us now, the most recent winner in PDRA Top Dragster, Tisha Wilson. Tisha, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, you've been on a little bit of hot streak. You uh, had a tremendous year last year and then uh, got it going again in this last event in the PDRA. Uh, got another win. So I'm assuming sight set on a back-to-back -back world championship. Is that uh, is that the plan? Yeah, we're just really taking it one race at a time. Uh, obviously, back-to-back -back would be fantastic. But, um, you know, reality is um, you just got to put the package together. And, and I'll be honest, the bottom half of or the bottom 48 of top dragster at PDRA is probably the toughest field in the country with some of the best racers in the country. So perspective yet back to back would be great but uh really just taking it one race at a time and going rounds and um just trying to do the best i can 
I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said, because I believe that as well. I believe that the top dragster class in, in PDRA maybe I think is you can make a legit argument that's the toughest class in all of drag racing. I mean, you're talking about super quick cars. You're talking about very consistent cars and you're talking about racers that have been doing it for a while and, you know, have this a very competitive edge to them. So I think you can easily make the case that that class is one of, if not the toughest class in the, in the whole country. And you were the world champion last year. So that's got to make you feel good and have some confidence going in uh, to this year as well. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, we've been doing it for a long time, um, 31 years now. Or we're, on, we're on number 31, and um, so put a lot of time into it um, you know, through the years and learning, kind of learning the trade, learning the tricks, that type of thing. Um, but what it really comes down to um, is you, you just have to be on your game, and, and um, you've got to trust your race car and, and trust your package. And, um, you know, having that much experience and, and that time in a race car has, has um, it's taken me a little while to uh, to get hot, but um, really, really appreciative of, of all the help and, and things in the past that, that's put me in a place where I'm at now. Well, you mentioned 31 years, so let's let's go back. Let's uh, rewind this thing. Talk to us that very first time you went down the racetrack, and how did that happen, and what kind of vehicle were you in? Yeah, so uh, I actually made my first pass in a junior dragster um, in Mooresville Dragway when I was four years old. So my parents had built a car, um, like a car kit car for motivational tubing uh, in our garage, uh, my dad and a few friends. Um, and we had taken it to Mooresville to let my brother test. And um, I pitched a fit and took my four-wheeler helmet with me, um, talked my parents into let me make a pass too. So um, I started at four, and uh, I raced a little bit on and obviously that was young at that age or that time. Uh, but I raced on and off um, from basically five all the way to eight. Uh, when, I, when I was allowed to and I didn't have people complaining, uh, my brother and I, from there, um, we raced juniors all the way until we were 16. Um, and then we kind of ventured out. He went door car, pro mod, uh, pro boost, uh, pro nitrous uh, route, and I stayed with super comp and um, top dragster and things like that. Uh, but our paths kind of kind of split, and my parents kind of <clears throat> kind of divided and conquered and, and went with us both when they could. And um, you know, we at that point we both tried to just kind of uh, make our own way and, and do our own thing. You know, my parents are hard-working blue-collar folks and um you know they took us as far as they could so um it's been up to my brother and i to put our heads down and and work hard and and run businesses and, and do things like that to be able to continue out you know within the sport so um, we had a lot of people along the way that helped and um i've been able to dabble in a lot of different uh avenues as far as drag racing goes top fuel and uh, nostalgia funny car and alcohol dragsters and uh, more so just worked on all that stuff and um, got a lot of experience through through all those different people that I surrounded myself with through the years. So, Sister, you said you started when you were four and you raced like from five to eight. Well, you said from five to eight and then to 16 in the juniors. So were we were we forging tech cards or how did how did we get past? <laughs> Cause I thought you had to be eight. To run. <laughs> if you uh, if you interview my mom, just ask her for the real birth certificate. That's all you need to do. <laughs> there might have been two. 
<laughs> I like hey, it. It's all good. I, <laughs> I like it. I mean, yeah, the, cool. yeah. That that gets me fired up. I mean, I can <laughs> I can just see you as a, a little four year old. Just I mean, stomping your feet, going, "I've got my helmet. Get me in this thing. Let's go." Oh, they have pictures. Yeah, they have pictures, and um, it's pretty awesome to go back and look at. So um, they 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 let me race a little bit here and there, and we only had one car at the time. Um, so. I had to kind of wait my turn, uh, but back in 1996, when I, my brother, they bought my brother a new car, and they let me have his old one, and uh, went out and uh, won the, the, I was the first female track champion at Mooresville Dragway in 1996, so do the math, uh, I, was, I was pretty young, so, um, you know, from there, it just kind of, kind of blossomed for my brother and I, that's pretty much, um, you know, all we've done all of our life. so I played softball, and I played competitive softball through school, and things like that, but we've always just kind of drifted back to the racing thing. So um, the coolest part, I think, I mean, 2022 was great, winning a world championship and all that, and, and 2023 has been great so far too, but uh, my my seven-year-old son has started racing, um, and I spent most of my weekend this past weekend at Bristol Dragway with him, uh, trying to get him ready for ECF, but uh, that's probably like my biggest accomplishment in 2022 is just Seeing how like, watching him blossom and seeing how much he loves the sport, and, uh, I think uh, unfortunately I'm in trouble because he probably <laughs> is more diehard for it than my brother and I were to both put together. So, um, you know, it, I, I foresee foresee a long a long future with him too. So it's been it's been a fun time. Well, I would say keep winning those championships because you probably get ready to lose your ride in a few years. So, <laughs> yeah, he's a. Uh, <laughs> I tell you, uh, the, the funniest thing that happened to us this weekend is I've been trying to teach him how to finish on race, uh, you know, at seven, and we're running 1390s. So, um, you know, his story and his explanation coming off the end of the racetrack has, has this weekend has been the highlight probably of the year um, for not only for me, but for everybody. You know, this morning we had phone calls with, with Grandpa and Uncle Tony, and he's, you know, he's explaining it and telling him what he did. And uh, it just those types of things, you know, kind of take you back to, Back to when I started, and, and you look at it, uh, you kind of realize how far you've come and how far you've how far you've gotten uh, with a lot of people uh, that's helped you along the way. So um, it's cool to cool to experience those things with him as a parent, um, and then just kind of kind of reminisce on the things we've done through the past. So. Yeah, very cool stuff. And as JP said, you better enjoy it now because uh, the clock is ticking on your seat time. It sounds like uh, if he's if he's that eaten up with it already. Very cool stuff. Very cool stuff. Uh, he's uh he says he's going pro he's going pro boost racing or pro nitrous racing. So I think it's a oh. pony. Yeah, my mom might be safe. Uncle Tony might not. Be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uncle Uncle might be losing his ride there. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, we we like that too. We we don't hate any of that stuff. Um, all right, so you were driving a junior dragster. Then did you go right into a dragster? Um, obviously, you've had success in the dragster. Have you have you ever been behind a door car? Is that uh, – and I apologize if I should know this. So, in all honesty, um, I went straight to a dragster. Um, I've ran a door car a handful of times. Um, it's not something that I've really ever been all that interested in. Um, I've been in a nostalgic bunny car. I drove um, Virgil Hartman's. Just out a funny car. I made, uh, I don't know, probably six or seven passes in it um, down in the Atlanta dragway uh, back in 2000, maybe 2008. 
Um, but then outside of that, no, I really haven't messed a whole lot with the door car stuff as far as driving. Uh, my brother's always kind of went that route, so I've always just worked on his stuff. Um, but but in all honesty, um, it really hasn't been announced or we haven't really talked about it publicly, but that's going to change a little bit. Um, we've got a pro boost car that my brother's, um, well, actually have two. One's being built by Tommy Moody, and then the other one um, we're finishing up now for him to run some PDRA um, towards the end of the year and possibly a full full schedule next year. Um, but I intend on um, taking my fair share of burnouts and maybe maybe trying to uh, venture out into the Pro Boost uh, Corvette for, for that deal, um, maybe towards the end of the year versus next year. So I'm going to step it up a little bit. Um, but the opportunity's there, and, and we've got the uh, we got the car, so it'd be a good learning experience for sure. Well, I'm going to tell you, Tisha, you were doing so well. You were doing so well on the interview. Like we were, like I, I was just like, okay, she's one of the top interviews of all time. Then you said um, you didn't have any interest in door cars, so we gave you five demerits for that right off the bat. <laughs> we uh, dinged you down a little, and then you totally redeemed yourself with the Pro Boost conversation so um you know you're back you're back in the good graces so to speak but uh yeah very cool stuff that's uh that's interesting um and so i think actually man i'm getting old so my memory is uh fading a little bit but did was there just an announcement maybe from drag illustrated about your brother's car um was that has that been released in social media um uh, it's been released on social media, but he just ran um, Jason Lee's car over in NHRA um, Bristol a couple of weeks ago. Okay. He filled in for Jason, um, was number one qualifier uh, for the Bristol race uh, final uh, runner-up for the Epping race that he filled in and semi for uh, the Bristol race. So, um, yeah, he's been in and out of, of articles and stuff going on. Um, just we've, we've been busy uh, as a family the last yeah. couple of weeks. Uh, running around and um, so it's been uh, it's been fun but yeah he, so he had that opportunity and uh, he's working on um, getting his pro boost car together uh, it is NHR, it will be NHR illegal um, but you know again we're we're a family deal and um, he and I are business partners uh, and his along with his wife and a and a concrete business so we all can't be gone you know all at the same time so um, we have to we, we do have to divide and conquer some but um, we're all very much involved in, in everybody's, you know, past or whatever that may be. So um, he goes racing with me, and I go racing with him. And then my parents are obviously still involved and, and help uh, when we have to divide and take junior racing on one side and PDRA racing on another. Uh, so it makes a makes for an interesting um, schedule most of the summer. For sure. <laughs> I bet it does. Yeah, that's uh, that that would keep you busy for sure. Um, but you're. Your focus then is going to be on the PDRA. I'm, I'm assuming you're going to chase points for the rest of the summer then and try to back your championship up. Is that right? Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously with the win at Maryland, um, we had some motor issues. Uh, we've actually had some motor issues in the last two, three races. Um, so we, we've kind of, if anybody paid as much attention at all, um, we they probably would have noticed the, the little bit of a different change in, in routine that I had to had to make for Maryland. Um, so the goal is to uh, to get the motor uh, healthy um, over the next week or so. And um, I, I wasn't going to Pro Stars, um, 
due to my, my son is in, uh, doing Bristol points in a junior. Um, but since I ended up number one, I, I'm going to rearrange a little bit. And mom and dad are jumping in to, to help with Wyatt. And, um, he's going to go to Bristol and I'm going to go run five stars. Um, and then we'll take off and go to Michigan and finish up the rest of the year with PDRA. So the rest of them are pretty close other than the Michigan race. Well, yeah, you got to do that. I think the pro star stuff that PDRA does is so cool. Um, you got to make make arrangements to get there, right? And um, so, and it's well deserved, right? You earned your spot there, so that's incredibly well deserved. So, yeah, I'm I'm rooting for you, and um, and I should say this: Winlight Bets will be there that weekend. So please stop by the tent and say hello um, in person as well, Tisha, so we can. We can uh, put faces with these voices. That would be that would be fantastic. Um, so tell us a little bit about your race car, though. Just for our listeners, uh, walk us through chassis, engine, combo. What what's your normal um, mo when you, when you get to the starting line in a PDRA event? Yeah. So um, the race car actually is a 2004 undercover front half uh, that's been back asked by Miller. Um, and then we we recently just uh, built a new uh, engine from Sandy uh, Sandy Wilkins or Wilkins Race Engines um, over here in Mooresville, North Carolina. Sure. So, uh, 565. Um, we've got a 250 baby blower on the top from the blower shop, um, and that's that's pretty much it. FCI transmissions uh, stepped up over the winter and helped with some converters. Um, I've dealt I've known Paul Lee for uh, many and many and many years. Uh, he was involved in my super comp program when I was still running super comp. Um, so it's cool to have those guys back on board and helping out. Um, and we uh, have a couple of different sponsors that, that jump in every um, here and there every once in a while. So uh, CNC chemical out of Asheville, North Carolina helps with fuel and um, any builders who's been a long time supporter of my brother and I both um, jumped in here and there and helped as well. So uh, we've got a lot of, uh, a lot of different partners and things like that that are uh, helping in the background to help us get to these races and, and honestly to keep things kind of moving along. Um, you know, we utilized Sandy Wilkins last year when we had some issues throughout the summer. Um, he stepped up and, and helped us out and, and get us headed in the right direction. So we're looking forward to, to doing that again uh, through the second half of the year. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, you don't, you don't have the success that you've had without some help. And Sandy's as good as they come, and and you mentioned you know your family and and some of those other partners. So um, yeah, as good as you are behind the wheel, um, we all we all need a little help behind us for the most part. I mean to make this stuff happen. So very very exciting stuff for you, and um, I'm I'm excited to see how the rest of the season plays out because you've got uh, you got your son uh, Will in the junior. It sounds like he's really known what he's doing, um, and you know, really following in the family footsteps that way. You're crushing it. And then your brother is just, uh, man, just finding all kinds of cool rides out there. And so it sounds like just exciting times for the Wilsons all right around. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So <clears throat> it's been good. It's, uh, we've, we've, like I said, we've got great, great backing and um, great partnerships. But more importantly, we've got great friends at the racetrack that um, allow us to be able to do all this and, and jump in when we need help. Um, there's a lot of weekends that PDRE race, and uh, there's a lot of weekends that I'm by myself. Um, I, I take off and go, and my brother stays home and, and runs the businesses, and my dad stays home, stays home to, to run his business. And uh, you know, mom and mom and everybody jumps in to help with Wyatt, and um, you know all the motherly duties that 
I have to miss out on sometimes. So um, it's been it's been fun, and uh, we're really looking forward to to figure, you know, kind of finishing up 2023 and hopefully finishing strong. Yeah, that's great stuff. Well, um, we'll be rooting for you. Um, the Fast Practice Nation will be rooting for you the rest of the the season. Um, excited to see how this all shakes out and. Man, wouldn't that be great to have a back-to-back winner? That would be uh, really fantastic yeah. stuff. But, uh, but Tisha, thanks for coming on. This was uh, really great stuff, and um, appreciate your time here today. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You. I thank you for having us. And uh, one, one thing, uh, just real quick, I want to shout out. So, uh, just being from North Carolina and, and in the area, uh, shout out to my best friend Lauren Freer for for doubling up first female in history to do that at a national event this weekend with Super Comp and Super Gas. So. Um, we'll have our uh, we'll have our celebration dinner here in a couple of weeks when she gets home from Michigan and uh, enjoy all of our all of our new trophies together. So um, it's really cool to be able to cheer on uh, you know some of the other females in the sport. Yeah, it's really pre- pretty fantastic stuff. I mean, um, and I uh, what she won? She won uh, Super Comp and Super Gas. Is that what she went? She won in this weekend? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, pretty impressive in those categories, man. Um, in those categories, and the first female ever to double up. And we've had great female competitors. I mean, uh, you're, yourself included, but there are some really great female competitors. And it's it's one of the things that we uh, champion when we talk to some of these uh, corporations. We talk about how men and women can compete side by side, and you know, there's uh, no handicap from that standpoint. And so congrats to her. And I appreciate you, you making that shout out because that is uh, history and um, you know, sounds like you guys are tight. So that's very cool stuff. Um, guys, girls, that was your 2022 top dragster world champion in the PDRA Tisha Wilson. If you need her. Today's half-track report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. Like it always is, for your high-powered legal needs, get with Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com. JP, what is happening in the world of drag racing, and what do we need to know about results and or breaking news? Well, we had a... A couple of races go down over the past couple of weeks. Uh, first, we'll start with the uh, PDR North versus South at Maryland International Raceway. Um, very good race wrecks and ton of fans, I'd like to say. So hats off to Maryland International Raceway. Hats off to PDRA. Um, their place was absolutely packed. I was there, and there were fans everywhere on Saturday. And that was the whole time there were, there were just piles of fans. So That's fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic. What what would you say the the gate was? I mean, was it uh, five thousand, ten thousand? What do, what do we think the number of butts in the seats was? I'm gonna say five six thousand. That's good. Yeah, that's good. I mean, listen, for as good a racing as the PDRA is, and as good as uh, racing it is for the fans, I don't I don't think they get enough love at the events themselves. I know a lot of people follow watch it on flow, but I don't think they get enough love at the gate. So good, good for Maryland that they brought those people in. The people of Maryland are liking something more than crab cakes for once. And we like it. Yeah. uh, It was cool, man. I, 
I got my head cracked in the first round. So I actually, <laughs> we actually went up in the stands and watched for a little bit. And it was just cool to be, you know, in the stands and with a bunch of people interacting and stuff for a while. The, 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 the betting section was, was popping. <laughs> track side, was it? So. Was it? Oh, you yeah. like that? <laughs> were they just oh, begging yeah. for win like bets? Is that what they were doing? Like, can we do this online, please? <laughs> I, it it would have helped, but <laughs> yeah, they didn't care. They were just passing the money. They the people like yeah. skin in the game. That's what they like. So no, we oh, get yeah. it. All right. So what happened on the track then? So uh, we'll start off with uh top sportsman qualifying um 64 cars total on top sportsman so still really That's good amazing. car count it's amazing i love it uh we'll start off with a uh, top sportsman elite um and you're going to be shocked the number one qualifier was not buddy parkinson what tim molinar edged him out by like one thou to take number one in elite top sports. You know, we've slept on Tim a little bit. I mean, he has uh, been good for a while, but he's. Re- I, I think he's found some horsepower here lately um, because I don't I don't think he would have told you he was trying for the number one spot all the time, but uh, he's found something that has really sped that car up a little bit, and, he, and still made him consistent and a great racer, but uh, I think that's a new move for him, so we'll have to get him on and have him explain that. Yeah, he had it whipped up Friday night. I got to see it firsthand. Um, <laughs> Such a beautiful car, too. He's got a beautiful car. It's a, it's a yeah, great uh, piece. I was actually in the lane qualifying beside him, and I shook, and I can't go nowhere near what he went, but he went 377.7 at 199.88 to take number one. That's fast, brother. That is that is really fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's great. Um, so Tim takes number one. Uh, bump spot ended up being in the elite. Ended up being a four hundred two eight at one eighty one. So no three second, no all three second field this this trip, but still good solid field. Yeah, um, very very solid yeah. field. Yeah, for sure. Uh, at the at the at the end of the day, the finals it ended up being Dan Ferguson. And he's 50 on a tree. He goes 384-6 at 194-44 on a 384. So he goes dead six. Uh, and he beats Donnie Urban. Donnie Urban was 15 on the tree. And uh, just, I don't know what happened, but he only went 387 on a 379 dial. So he slowed up a little bit or maybe he got, you know, might have grabbed a break a little bit too hard on the other end. Uh, we have to. We'll have to talk to Donnie and see, but um, very good final. Uh, Dan had that thing whipped up. You know, he's a big proponent of bullhorn, so he, he had about <laughs> two and a half feet of flame hanging out the, both sides of that thing. And it, it, I mean, that car was on rails all weekend. He, he had it running good. So congratulations to Dan. Uh, he was your elite top sportsman winner. Yeah, Dan's been working hard on that. And uh, congrats to him for, for getting it done. And you're right, Dan Ferguson – uh, blowhorns or a uh, bullhorns to the front, right? I mean, with them, so bullhorns to the yeah. front, baby. He took them straight to the front and and got the win. So I like it. Congrats, Dan. <laughs> yeah. So we'll move on to top sports from forty eight. Uh, no bump because it was right at forty eight cars with the sixty four total. Um, Vonnie Mills takes number one with the four oh six three at one seventy eight. Uh, 
So congratulations, Zavani, on another number one qualifier in Top Sportsman 48. Um, but at the end of the day, it was Al Davidowski, and he picked up the win over Derek Barnes. Al was 027 to go 429 at 168 on a 418. Um, and over Barnes, who was uh, 036 and broke out by 8,000. He went 4233 at 165 on a 424. So uh, just uh, needed a little tap of the break, but uh, Al was on it. Um, he was just going round after round after round, and the car was running good. Uh, he was going dead on a couple times. So congratulations to Al Davidowski. He picks up the win in uh, Top Sports for 48, and I think he is now your current points leader in uh, Top Sports. 48 for PDR. Nice. Yeah. Congrats. What happened on the uh, dragster side, JP? On the dragster side, elite top dragster qualifying. Another all three second field. Um, we had 56 cars total in elite. I mean, in top dragster. I'm sorry. Um, at the end of qualifying, it was Charles Caracia. He goes 376 at 198.32. Uh, the bump spot was a 398.2 at 182. So all three second field in um, an elite top dragster. And when it came down to the finals in elite, Cal Harris in the altar on a hole shot. He goes 008. 382.9 at 187 on the 380 over Steve Furr, who was uncharacteristically uh, 087 to go 381.9 at 189 on the 381. So he yeah. goes dead now, but just couldn't overcome the couldn't overcome the starting line event. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Because Steve told us on the show that he had been fighting some gremlins, but obviously that wasn't uh, the car. He got the car right and um yeah. went to the final but I, that i guess you probably know better than i do but does that put steve in the points lead then or keep him in the points lead at this point i, I will maybe do a follow-up to the points uh maybe next episode but I, I would guess that puts him or keeps him in the lead at this point yeah i have to take a look at it but he should he should be up there um he should be up there in the point. So I will say this: um, Kyle Harris may not like me saying this, but um, the damage he's doing with that altered, um, he's going to force PDRA into creating a new class uh, because the dragsters are not going to want him there. So, are we seeing what could be top altered? I mean, is that a class that could be coming around the? I mean, I would love to see it, JP. I would love to see it too, but he would be, he would definitely be one of the top ones. That thing is just wicked to watch it. Run. Isn't it? <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> oh man, it screams. Yeah, I love it. Top altered. I think that's something we got to work on. We got to work <laughs> on for sure. We so, would cover it in the fast brackets. We would absolutely cover it. Um, top sportsman, oh, top yeah. dragster, top altered. We would love it. All right, yeah, what else I, happened? What else happened, JP? So top, <laughs> top jacks the 32. They had a 32 quali qualified field because it was 56 cars overall. So uh, the second half was 32 cars. Uh, Kent Newsom takes number one at 398.8 at 177.09. The bump spot was a 448.2 at 153. And in the finals, we had our guest this week, Tisha Wilson. She goes 036. 436.5 at 155 on a 436. So she goes dead five 
over Nick Maloney, who's usually we're talking about him in top sportsman also, but he he runs the dragster and runs the door car. So he was on he made it to the finals in the dragster. He was 024. He goes 426-7 at 158 on the 427 to break out by 3,000. So uh, congratulations to Tessa Wilson and congratulations to Nick on his runner-up in PDRA top dragster 32. Yeah, those two, man, those two, you could, you know, um, if you're betting, just pick one of those two and make yourself some money. That's what you got to do with those two um, up there. So that was a heck of a final, heck of a final. Yeah, definitely two hitters in that that class. Yeah. All right, what happened on the NHRA side? Because I know they had some action as well. Yeah, uh, NHRA rolled into Norwalk um, on the long track. Uh, Let's see. Handed out a couple speeding tickets this weekend too, but uh, what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nobody got disqualified, but I think it, they they had about three warnings. It looks like uh, maybe Glenn Bitcher, uh, David Jamison, and Darian Bosch. I think they all got a warning. A uh, little slap on the wrist this weekend. Yeah. Um, if you're not trying, you know, like uh, if you're not trying, right, JP? I mean, how you gonna win if you don't try? Right, so can't, I give all those guys down, credit. Can't slow it down to sixteen if you can't go faster than sixteen. So. Yeah, that's right. No. <laughs> that's exactly right. I thought. Well, uh-huh. this is there's some, uh, but there was some high drama on the top dragster side. So let's let's get into that. I, I want to talk about this because I think this is great stuff on the on the top dragster side. Yeah. Um, let's see. Top dragster had twenty five cars there on the property. Uh, at the end of qualifying, it was Al Peebler who goes six ten with the two at two twenty two ninety one. So he's flirting right right with that six ten cutoff. Um, <laughs> but in the finals, it was Joe Swanson who was o fifty three. He goes seven eighteen nine on a on a seven nineteen at one eighty nine fifty two over Darian Bosch. Darian. Darian kicked it a uh, 005 red, and uh, I guess he just shut it off and goes 663 five at 157 on a 618. So, uh, just so Darian was running good all weekend. Just just got a. Missed it a little bit on the on the red side in the final. So yeah, well, for those of you listeners that don't know, so Joe Swanson wins the top dragster at Norwalk. His wife. Afton Swanson has Swanson has been on the show, um, and they you know she has driven their top dragster for a long time. Uh, Joe has tuned her car for a long time, but this year got a ride for himself. The their sponsor Fuel Marketing out of Iowa um, helped them get the second car, so Joe has been running that, and sure enough. Joe and Afton lined up for first round against each other. So husband and wife. And if I'm Joe, I probably lay it down. I probably go red by a boatload. You know, I'm probably uh, LB3 just so that I can, you know, save face at the home life and just go make sure that everything is good on the trip home. And when I get home and I still get a little you know, uh, sugar at night, but that's not how my man Joe went after it. He said, no, no, we're playing for blood. We, this is what happens when we put it in the beams. And he just put his wife on the trailer, which I gotta, I gotta respect him for that. I'm worried for my man. 
because as men, we have some health issues that need to be attended to on occasion. And so I'm a little worried about him that way. But he did get a Wally to at the end of the day to, you know, uh, make up for it, I guess. So if you're going to do that to your wife in first round, you probably better win the Wally. And he got it done. You definitely better win. Um, and congratulations to Joe. Listen, I love my wife with all my heart, but if it comes down to it, she's going to the trailer up. <laughs> Blowing her up. Well, what I would say is one of my ex-wives would have been on the trailer. Uh, the other one I might have. But, uh, and then we'll see. But, uh, yeah, that's, I get it. I get it. One of the two for sure would have been on the trailer. There's no doubt about Um Anyway, that's a that was good drama for the top dragster in Norwalk. What happened on the top sportsman side? Uh, moving on to top sportsman qualifying, 19 cars showed up. Uh, it's a little murky with the qualifying. The they're crediting from what I've seen on the websites, they're crediting Lester Johnson with a 623 at 235 at 235.56 <laughs> for number one qualifier. But then there's Jeez. a report that. That, that Glenn Busher was the number one qualifier at 612. So I don't, I'm going to just say congratulations to both of them guys because it's not 100% clear. Yeah. I don't know if it's because Glenn got a speeding ticket or I don't. Yeah, they're, they're both, they both have incredibly fast machines and they're both great racers. So um, how did it shake out? Would you say 19 cars? That's, um, I'm a little disappointed in that because yeah, car count was a little low, but uh, it was a great final, man. I mean, a great final. Um, Scott Wasco goes double oh three six forty five nine at two oh eight on a six forty five over Mike Moorhead, and and Mike was game. He was he was he was oh one two. He goes six sixty four three on a six sixty four at two oh nine twenty six. So Scott. Takes a strike by 009 margin of victory, picks up a national event win. So congratulations to Scott. Um, but that that was a good final. I mean, uh, well, you're talking, yeah, you're three will get you a lot of round wins. That's right. And Mike's a great racer, and Scott has been doing it a long time, has a lot of familiarity with that track. Um, you know, maybe you just get a little bit of home field advantage that way. But I mean, two great racers going at it, putting down great laps. To your point, right? They both put down great laps. Scott Wasco with the win. Um, you know, uh, probably Scott had a personal tragedy as well. So uh, congrats yeah. to him for, for coming back. And so uh, probably means a lot to that family to get it done. So congrats to those guys. Yeah, definitely. It's probably, probably huge emotionally for them. So congratulations to the Wasco family for uh Sticking there in the winner's circle, national event, man. It's it, it's huge. Yeah, very good. All right, we'll have more action for you uh, next time on the Fast Breakers podcast at the Half Track Report. Whoa, let's get out of the groove for just one second here and bring on our next guest, um, I, I'm really excited to have him because this is truly life-saving stuff. Uh, Joey Crudmore, the fire guy. Joey, what is happening today, man? How are you? 
Doing great, man. Just uh, traveling around the country, uh, making some deliveries, and uh, you know, trying to make the world fire safe. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to that because I know you are hustling, and I appreciate the fact that you are uh, have carved out some time on your travels to talk with us uh, because it's you know what you're what you're doing right now is truly saving lives. But I'd like to go back a little bit and just give our listeners a feel for who you know how this all came about and and who you are a little bit. So could you give us um, a little bit of background of your racing career? Because you've done it at a pretty high level. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm originally from Maryland, and I went to my first NAS late model, you know, local track deal when I was eight years old, fell in love with it, uh, started helping a guy named Dickie Boswell. Um, his son today is uh, Richard Boswell, who just became the crew chief for the 14 Cup car. Uh, Chase Briscoe. So, um, you know, then then grew up with his daddy. His dad passed away about a year and a half ago, and, and now he's a cup crew chief. But uh, so started local. Uh, I worked for Bobby and Davey Allison for 10 years. We built late model sportsman cars out of Maryland and traveled around the country uh, short tracking with those guys. Um, helped Jeff Bodine when he moved down from upstate New York to uh, to pursue his cup career, and he, he landed at a company called Man- Stock Car Products, which was a guy named Manuel Zabakis. He was a car builder there in the Richmond, Virginia area. We won a lot of races there with him, and then um, we took Jeff Bodine in 1982. We took him to Daytona for the, you know, the late model part of that race, the 300 lapper, and uh, we run second. And then two weeks later, we went to Darlington. We won that race. We beat David Pearson. And then Jeff got the Gatorade ride the following Monday to go and win Rookie of the Year in Cup. Uh, that was 1982. Um, so, you know, I've had a cool career working for a lot of neat people. Mark Martin, um, Brett Bodine, like I said, Jeff Bodine. Um, anyways, uh, I, I became a crew chief in, in racing and in, um, 1999 to 2006 it was called the clr racing team we ran arca and a little bit of cup uh we were a part-time cup team so we had different drivers you know everybody from kevin lepage to um ron horner day Derek cope um, several other young kids and so forth but uh i got to pursue my own racing career um uh at local short tracks and stuff won won a few races and set some track records and things and made it to the bush grand national series uh ran about eight or 10 races. And then my car owner got cancer and, you know, I didn't come from a family that had the money. I had to, you know, just earn my way. And, um, I just decided to go back and work for him. And that's when I became the crew chief and, and ran that race team for many years, but, um, uh, been very blessed, uh, how I got into the fire safety business in um, 2012, I was at the Daytona 500 on pit row and Juan Pablo hit a jet dryer. If you remember that fire on pit row, or it was mm-hmm. out on the racetrack, but he hit, yeah. hit a jet dryer. And they had a big three-dimensional fire, and it took them 20 minutes to put it out. And I knew of a fire product that I thought could make a difference. So I called the owner of that company up, introduced myself to him the next day. Two weeks later, we met with NASCAR, showed them the product. They said they loved it, but, you know, it would be a little time because everybody said they had the next greatest product that they might need. Um, but I was persistent. So two weeks later, I went to the NHRA drag races in Gainesville, Florida, Um met with them, introduced myself to them. They said, yeah, sure, kids set up at the end of the track. I went down, set up, they lit a fire, I put it out, and they said, we're in. So I went to work for that guy. His name's Ron Thames. He's out of uh, Peachtree City, Georgia. 
and um, I worked for his company for eight years. It's called FireAid, mm-hmm. and that product had been around for about 30 years. And uh, so for eight years, I put it on the map in the Motorsports World Forum. Uh, we got ended up getting NASCAR, but I got NHRA, Monster Jam, World Outlaws, Lucas Oil, you know, just about every form of racing. I do stuff with Dennis Anderson, the Grave Diggers, and just you know, a lot of neat motorsports stuff. Um, I could talk to lingo because I was a racer, but I felt like I was repping one of the best products on the planet. You know, um, fire is not something people take serious until it happens to them. Uh, I like to say we're a, we're a reactive society. We we don't fear fire. We always think it's going to happen to the other person. But when it does happen to you or somebody closely in your neighborhood or one of your friends, then it, it finally becomes real. And um, I'm out here to make a difference now. Yeah, that that's that's really impressive background and just goes to show like you're um, you're you're in it. You came from a natural you know place of saying, okay, hey, I've done this. I see the the real uh, risk involved with this, and I see a solution to that, which is you know is really what we need. We need boots on the ground and um, guys that understand that. So uh, your background is very impressive. Um, I'm sure you would have some real thoughts on the car of tomorrow and all the the latest NASCAR um, chassis, but we're gonna we're gonna curb that for now. But maybe we'll have you back on to talk about that. But uh, maybe off the record, sure. I'd like to have that conversation with you because I'm sure you have some thoughts. But what I do want to talk to you about is your products now, your your fire products um, are really what I. I'd never seen these before. It's kind of revolutionary in terms of, you know, safety with our our toters, with our trailers, and then with the cars itself. So maybe you could spend a little bit of time just walking us through what your your products are and and exactly how they work. Sure. So my my first thought, what I could do was make the safety workers, you know, have better tools in their toolbox, you know, and and. The foam is the magic. There's no question. And I'll explain what the foam does and how and why it works here in a second. But it was to work with the safety workers. And, you know, the foam, you have to have a delivery system. So the, the same gentleman that developed the fire aid foam developed some compressed air foam systems. And what that means is you have a solution tank, you mix it with water and then the, and the foam solution at a certain percentage. And then it runs off of nitrogen or compressed air. So the tank is, is, pushed with no no battery powers no electric no pumps no nothing it's air and 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 it creates the foam and it puts the fire out so um i went to the safety workers got all them on board and then the racers loved it so much they came to me and said hey you know we want an in-car system so rather than me start my own in-car systems i partnered with a company called spa techniques out of indianapolis and uh they had their own in-car systems with other agents and i said hey would y'all be willing to put my agent in here and I'll help you market these systems. And and we did that. And we've sold thousands of these systems to all the dirt racers and drag racers around the country. Um, And, and, and I'm not here to bash other products. Every system has to work or it wouldn't be certified by, you know, SFI or, you know, UL or any of these certifications, they all got to work, but they're not all created equal. Uh, What I mean by that is most extinguishers that are on the market, just take oxygen out of the air. It doesn't do anything to the heat or the fuel. So in order to have a fire, you have to have heat, fuel, and oxygen. Um, Our product has tremendous cooling capability. So when we put the fire out, there's no chance of it lighting back up because there's no longer a heat source, whether it be a hot header or any kind of metal or whatever. Um, So there's no reignition. 
one of the demos I do to impress people and show them why it does it. I can spray our foam on my hand and then I can take a blowtorch and put it on my hand and it doesn't burn me. As long as the product stays wet, it's giving you that cooling capability. Um, we, you know, people say, well, how's that working? We, we actually make water wetter. Um, the only reason fire departments can put out a house fire is they literally got to use hundreds and thousands of gallons of water to extinguish a fire because of surface tension of water. It just wants to sit on top of cardboard and wood and stuff like that. The water weights, which pushes it in there. And sometimes fire departments have to even go back to a house fire two hours later from a rekindle because the water didn't get in the nooks and crannies of even a simple couch. You know what I mean? All right. So what happens is we make the water wetter and it goes into all those nooks and crannies. And then if it's metal or whatever, our water droplets become so small by making that water wetter, it cools the metal within seconds. So when I'm putting putting a fire out and the roof can be glowing red on this car, and five seconds after I extinguish it, I can put my hand on the roof and it'll be 68 degrees. Um, the water droplets penetrate the metal and literally cool it from the inside out. So it's really pretty neat technology. Well, that's what totally impressed me because... And, and here's where I go with that. I mean, we, we've all, you've been a racer, we're all racers and, you know, we'll spend extra money on horsepower, but we always don't spend the money. And I'm telling myself here a little bit, sometimes we do not spend the money on the safety equipment. And what I was so impressed with was, you know, these, these suits, you know, whether they're dash 15 or whatever they are, dash 20, that still doesn't give us a whole lot of protection. I mean, it's seconds. It's not minutes that it gives us protection from. And your system actually takes the heat out. So um, in general terms, if if you sprayed that stuff on our suits, we could turn a, you know, a dash, let's call it a 3.2 suit into a 20 suit just like that, or maybe more. I don't know exactly how those numbers go, but but spraying it on the suit, I mean, cools it off and it can extend the life of the suit. Yeah, so like on our in-car systems, when I'm educating you know the racer, I said, look, you know, we, this 10-pound system comes with four spray nozzles. If you'll put two nozzles on your driver and then two on the engine, um, by spraying that driver down from from his bottom of his helmet to his, let's just say his belt and then the other nozzle from the belt down to the feet if we can coat them we can buy him time and that's all you're ever looking for an extinguisher to do you're, that's right. it's about time so like say that that couple thousand dollar fire suit that whatever rating it might give you 15 seconds but if if i could spray you down and give you 40 seconds or 45 or a minute that's the difference between burns no burns and life and death sometimes you know so then the, hopefully the safety workers come with our bigger units and put it out. You know, none of these systems that are in any of these cars are ever going to put out a 10 or 20 or 30 gallon fuel cell fire. So that's, that's not ever going to happen. Sure. But if you're in there and we can keep you cool for them extra time, it, it's, it's life changing. And, uh, you know, ask anybody that's ever had a small burn or really been burned bad. That's uh, one way I don't want to have to ever live. I think that's my biggest fear. Yeah. I, um, I don't think I've ever told this story before, but a close friend of mine in high school had a severe burn. Um, it was just a freak accident. Um, Ford Motor Company actually wrote him and his family a big, big check. But I remember going to the hospital and seeing him, and there was a guy in the next room who had been in Vietnam, and he had uh, shrapnel, uh, you know, but stepped on a mortar or something stupid like that and uh, had shrapnel over the body. He said, you don't understand. Burn is 10 times worse than being shot. 
Um, it is the worst pain you can ever imagine. And the process to rehabilitate your skin is even worse. So whatever you do, do not get burned. And I, I mean, that was, that was seared in my brain at, a, you know, um, when I was in high school and, um, ever so often I need that reminder that, uh, Hey, that is nothing to be messing with and take all precautions you can in order to make sure that, um, you know, if the car, car, uh, doesn't do what it's supposed to do, then we have to do what we have to do to protect ourselves. Cause we need to walk away. Um, cars can be replaced, but, um, it's hard for us to replace our, our bodies. That's for sure. Especially when we get older, JP, when we get older, brother, yeah. it is, uh, hard to recover like we once did. Oh yeah. Sure. So, and your, um, so, well, your, your product is interesting in that it's, it's actually a, a plastic cylinder and it's activated by the heat itself. Is that right? Or are there sensors that, um, go off and how, how does that work? Cause, I, and I'll put this on social media so people can see, but just maybe help us, uh, talk through it just a little bit, if you don't mind, Joey. Yeah. So, so in, in 2020, I went to the owner of the Fire 8 product and I said to him that I would like to start my own company. Um, you know, I worked for him for eight years and, and learned a lot and, and, and loved his product. But I felt like I could um, find other products that would do other things that his product wouldn't do. And then I could be like a fire solution specialist to, to, to do all needs, you know, because, you know, we're talking toter homes, businesses, you know, I do stuff in the scrap yards and all that. So 2020, I started JJ Supply of NC. It's based in Mooresville, North Carolina. Uh, repping the, the, the new product, FireAid became FireBull. It's a, it's a new phone that's flooring free and that's a big buzzword in the fire industry right now. Um, so I represent a product called FireBull, the Enforcer Equipment. And the product that you're describing is something that I came out with about a year ago. Uh, the guy that invented it was in Florida and, and he was looking for some marketing. And I said, look, you know, if you'll let me have the motorsports and several other markets, I'll take your product and, and turn it into something really big. Mm -hmm. And so basically we've, what he's done is we've taken a fire, another fire chemical agent liquid, and we put it inside of a three quarter inch plastic tube. And the tubes are different lengths. The length of the tube is determined by the cubic airspace of whatever compartment that we're going to put it in. So we have them anywhere from, let's just say something that's six inches long, all the way up to 21 feet long, and we can make them 300 feet long if the application needed it. But let's just stick to those couple numbers. What just recently happened about six, eight months ago was Rick Hendricks' team with William Byron at Indianapolis, his car was parked down in the uh, parking lot, getting ready to go into the track the next morning or whatever. And they started up the generator and they left and the generator caught fire. And luckily there were some people close by and, and got it put out, but it did $290,000 damage to his rig from a simple generator fire on the front of, of, of an 18 wheeler trailer. Um, they tried to order a new one. It was 18 months before they could take his order. That's how many other customers were ahead. Then it would take eight months to build it. So that, you know, that's a long period for a team that needs to be at next week's race to be without their trailer. Right. Um, couldn't find a good used one from anybody. Uh, six months to rebuild the one that just caught fire. So it's a big deal to a team like, you know, Hendrick Motorsports. So immediately they brought me in there. And what we've done is we take these tubes and we're put them in about 
10 to 12 different areas in his hauler. We do the engine, we do the engine base, we do one tube, it's 21 feet, it goes in the engine compartment, all the way over the transmission. We do another one for the battery boxes, then there's house batteries for the trailers, then there's inverters underneath the sleeper, then there's breaker boxes up in the hauler. There's all these different compartments, and those are really the only things in that 53-foot trailer. These are the, the high-fire areas, and we're now able to put these tubes in there with zip ties or ADEL clamps and rivets, and give them 24-7 fire protection that they've never had before. And if you're sleeping in it, you know, the, a lot of these dirt haulers that we do and all that, and drag haulers, they're sleeping in these toter homes, you know, three and four guys all night long. Well, now if a generator caught fire, they would hear this loud boom, because when this plastic tube gets 300 degrees of temperature, it'll turn the liquid in the tube into a gas, and then it'll melt the tube right above the heater of the flame and extinguish the fire by cooling so it's not going to take oxygen away, hurt any pets or anything if it's in a motor coach. So we're doing RVs. We're doing a little bit of everything. We can do computer systems, data centers, all kinds of areas with this technology. It's very cool. Um, it, it's incredibly cool. And, I, I mean, I guess somebody's going to say, oh, yeah, nice nice turn of phrase there, Rex. But I didn't mean that. I meant, like, it's good technology and it saves lives. So I, I couldn't be a bigger fan. So, so the tube is, you know, is what delivers the is what delivers the agent. There's no like there's no other system to. Nope, it's to really it. it's it in, inside the tube. We pressurize it with 70 psi of pressure, which is intentionally because there's a needle valve on each end when we seal it off. And when that pressure changes, I could literally send a Bluetooth message to your cell phone and tell you what machine caught on fire, and I can cut the power to the equipment by having that technology there when that pressure changes. So we've even now developed it for brake fires on 18 wheelers and, and various things where if you had a triple axle, there would be three tubes that would be all connected together. One, each tube would be in front of a, a complete tire setup, you know, three feet wide or whatever, mm -hmm. right, right on the frame rail. And when that 18 wheeler brake fire happens, it'll melt the tube and then put the fire out as soon as the driver pulls it over. Man, that's huge. That's huge, right? Yeah. Because I mean, how There's many been a times? lot of, a lot of coach fires and trailer fires on the road in the last couple of years. Like I don't know what's going on, but that's that's been like a thing in the last like three to four five years. So that's, yeah, that's, and it's it's not even old stuff. It could be used. I mean, brand new stuff now catching fire. You know, it, it, there's no rhyme or reason. With <laughs> you know, uh, fire isn't prejudice. It doesn't care who we are, how much money we got, or anything. It could get any of us at any time. And you know, like you say, I feel like we've uh, can, we're a good tool in the toolbox is what I like to say. And um, we, we love helping people. It's, it's very rewarding. Like this morning, I was just in Brownsburg, Indiana. Tony Stewart bought a couple systems. We've done all his race haulers, you know, for his drag teams and dirt teams and stuff. And then we left there and we went to um, another part in Illinois to drop off some stuff for Brandon Shepard, who's one of the top dirt late model guys and stuff. Um, and then we're leaving here and going to do two toter homes for some drag racers uh, tomorrow. Um, and then uh, we'll end up in Chicago and then uh, Nashville on um, Thursday at Johnson Horsepower Garage to, you know, show them some fire safety. They're really big in the um, pro stock in the NHRA right now. Right. So is every system custom to the application or do you have like a standard, do you have a standard, set of parameters you can work off of i mean every because every coach and trailer is a little bit different that's yeah every 
everyone's definitely a little different, you know. Um, there is, you know, when somebody says, hey, I got this kind of rig, I know I can give them a ballpark, you know, pricing and this and that, but everyone's got a couple different compartments. So we have a little Bosch gauge that we get the height, depth, and width of the compartment that gives us a cubic airspace number, and then, then I know how much agent that I need, and that'll determine what length tube I put in the compartment. So it's, it's a pretty simple math once, once we know the compartments and the job that we're on. And, and another thing is, then it doesn't take that long for you to do the install, right? So, I mean, if, if you say take your average semi with a 53-foot trailer, how long does that take you to install that, Joey? I mean, what's that? About three hours, typically around three hours, um, you know, in those different eight air, you know, that, like you say, that one tube, you're up on, you're on creepers and up on your back trying to get it up through the whole, you know, it, it starts by the alternator. It goes over top the radiator shroud. So about every 12, 12 to 15 inches, we're trying to put some sort of a mounting clamp to keep it solid and where it needs to stay. Sure. Um, so there's a lot of drilling and drilling through the frame rails and various things. You know, we don't just let anybody install it. We we have to professionally install it, and and then that way we can warranty it and stuff like that to make sure that there's no misfires or anything yeah no i that makes perfect sense to me i just i i want our listeners to know that like it don't take all weekend like if uh you know we and we have these things parked uh for a long time if you're running pdra you're pulling in on wednesday not rolling out till sunday it probably makes yeah. sense for us to you, you see where i'm going we're gonna have a uh, fast yeah. brackets fast brackets deal where uh, we pull you in and let you uh you know let you um you know save some people's lives over the weekend so uh we'll work on yeah that. and we we even we'll definitely come right to the racetrack they can call us line up an appointment and get on our appointment book and, and we love coming to the tracks because hey we're racers and race fans you know so we love being at the track but we're also there to take care of business and make it real convenient for them uh, so yeah. we come to the shop we go to the go to the tracks whatever's necessary to you know keep keep the business rolling is is this comparable to other systems as far as parts and you don't have to give me a price or anything but just is is it in the ballpark as far as yeah yeah absolutely yeah so like you say I, i've got i've got the fire bull foam and a little aerosol can as cheap as you know 15 dollars or 20 dollars a can and i've got systems all the way up to fifty thousand dollars you know that are you know like having a fire truck at your company or business you know um and then you know these these tubes are all just variety of, of deals but um uh, you know, the all-star sprint car series, they're even allowing the tubes to already be a fire suppression for the racers inside of the, the sprint cars that they race, you know, because Tony sees the value in it and it's lightweight. It's easy. There's, you know, no, not taking up a lot of space. And, and the, the cool thing is my nozzle is always, it doesn't have to be, but the nozzle is always in the right spot because it's going to take the heat or the flame to melt the tube right where it needs to be at. You know what I mean? That's genius when you think about placing nozzles and hoping they're in the right spot this nozzle is always in the right spot because whether you're upside down leaning against the wall nose in whatever wherever that flame's coming up it's going to melt the tube always in the right spot but then there's enough agent based on my calculation to fill the whole compartment to cool it and basically we're taking it from 300 degrees to negative 20 in that split second so it's like blowing out a birthday candle and no reignition because it's got such coolness coming in it and y'all you in uh are you talking to various sanctioning bodies to see if you can get this implemented where it'll be legal to 
you know, yeah, it's, um, it's, yeah I've, I've approached SFI. SFI is kind of the certification for your helmets and gloves and all your safety gear. Um, they get it. They, they love it. They're all for it. They're going to have to create a new category because most systems, they want it to have a manual pull and automatic. I'm only automatic. Mm. You know, there's no way for somebody to create the heat and do it, you know, themselves to make it go off. So it's, it's only automatic. So I think they'll eventually create a category, but as a racer, not, not one sanctioned body would tell you that you couldn't have this in addition to what you had. So, you know, if I was a right. parent and my kid was in that car, I would have both of them, you know, I'd have what they require and I'd put a little extra because like you say, the last thing you want to do is uh, not come home to your family because of burns in a, in a unforeseen accident, you know, and it happens all the time. If nothing else, I want that stuff spraying right on my jacket and pants and helmet, uh, you know, yeah. if nothing else so that I can walk out of that thing. Um, last thing, Joey, what's the best place to, for our listeners to, to learn more about you, to contact you? What's, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you and learn everything there is to know about and contact you and get this implemented in their race program? Sure. Um, you know, my, my business has really taken off. I haven't concentrated on a real high dollar website or anything, but my website is called uh, JJ Supply. S-U-P-P-L-Y-O-F-N-C, and that just stands for of North Carolina. Um, my office number is 704-799-1935, um, and our email is sales at jjsupplyofnc.com. Gotcha. Yeah, and uh, although listeners know that we'll, we'll put that on the website as well or on the Facebook page and all that stuff as well, so check that out. But uh Joey, that's great stuff. Uh, really appreciate your time today. And, and man, um, I, I, I just like the idea that we're all safe. It's uh, what we do is not, um, I mean, there's a danger to it, right? There's a danger. We're going fast. We're taking chances. That's all right. It's, it's part of what makes us us. But if we can add a layer of safety to that, especially when it comes to fire, I'm all about it. So thank you for your efforts. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys having me on and uh, look forward to seeing it at some of the trade shows and races in the future now that uh, we know each other. Absolutely. Yep. Hey, uh, travel safe. I know you're on the road, but guys, uh, girls, um, man, that was uh, that, that was really um, a great conversation. Um, and just if you need if you need to get yourself a little safer or feel a little safety, safer, get with Joey Crudmore, JJ Supply of North Carolina. Joey, thanks so much. No, thank you guys, and um, we appreciate you. Uh, no problem. JP, as we hit the mile per hour cone this week, we got to talk about what I think is the start of something incredibly cool. And that is not the sound of thunder coming from your house every week. That's not <laughs> what that is. Um, what is what I think is the start of something very cool is the Factory X Showdown cars um, that debuted this weekend, made their... Uh, Initial debut on an NHRA track at an international event in Norwalk, and that was um, that that was it, a Factory X pass the very first 
one that made the made the the trip down the path. And what we're talking about is is cars that are essentially that, that, that would potentially be the next pro stock car, right? These are um, fiber, you know, fiberglass or carbon fiber cars. Um, they have Liberty five-speed transmissions in them, but they look like factory cars. That's why they're called Factory X. But then they have the factory stock showdown engines in them. So that means we've got essentially the LS versions with with uh, superchargers on them. So they're not naturally aspirated. They're supercharged cars. But these cars are essentially 2,600 pounds. 2,650, I think, is what the what the minimum weight for these things in, which is a thousand pounds lighter than a factory stock car. Um, and so they're very, it's this hybrid between factory stock and pro stock, which is ultimately what pro stock was originally. And so I'm, I'm really fired up about this. And Greg Stanfield got out there. He showed what these things are capable of. I have not seen a time slip at this point, but my understanding is these are, high six second cars um you know we're, we're talking engines that can be put in uh factory cars you know right out of the gate um obviously they're tuned up a little bit but we're talking about factory ls type motors with superchargers on them that you can you know you can buy from the factory put these things in these cars um, they're lighter and then you know, use the Liberty gears to roll them down the track and, and watch them go. Uh, JP, this is the class to me that, that I'm really excited about following just because I think it has all the elements that, that make the class exciting. It looks like a car. We're rowing gears, so it's not that like you have to be able to drive the thing. But then there's this new engine technology as well. And then there's these smaller cars, which I've argued for a long time. I... I had to go back, but I've, I've argued for a 10.5 tire to be used for a long time in pro stock because I think that there's, there is some limiting factor that works as well. So, you you know, they've done some good things. Give Lonnie Grimm some real credit here in creating a class that could be ultra exciting moving forward. And this is the very first pass. Yeah, it, it, it looked really good. And that car looked really, really good. Um I seen a couple comments about the rear quarters on it. I don't know. Hips might have been a little wild on it, but the car looked really good uh, <laughs> going down through there. Uh, well, the front end looks awesome, right? I mean, it's yeah, it, 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 it's not a hood scoop, but it does have an air inlet in the front. So, you yeah. know, we, we have been pro hood scoop for a long, long time here, and that uh, makes me feel good. I like the stock appearance nature of it we we have a we have a 2020 camaro that my wife drives so it 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 definitely looks you know factory um so i i like the i like the uh i like the stock appearing nature of it and i like the five speed shifting and 10 five tire i mean what's not to like about that um right right yeah so um you know and greg stanfield uh what is he won four world championships in super stock and um did he win a world champions in pro stock i'm not sure but he's done it for a long nah, time you know. comp i think he has um, oh that's right comp and super stock he's been doing it for a long time so it is right up his alley i think my understanding is that jeff turk has a dodge 
but um, they had an issue in some of their testing, so it's set back just a little bit, but he'll be there as well. Uh, but we should have the Ford Chevy Dodge getting after it again. And, you know, maybe if we're lucky, we can get, um, you know, a Toyota or something else um, in there as well, because this is set up for supercar type stuff. I know they've they've set the rules so that it's not just limited to Chevy Ford Dodge. There's some other options in there as well, which, you know, could be could be loads of fun as this thing goes around. Does does the power plant have to match the manufacturer? That's my understanding. Yeah. And okay. uh, so that, that's why, you know, it's essentially it's the factory stock engines. So although, you know, the popularity of that class has been pretty good because they wheelie, but um, but it's not as fast as pro stock. So this is kind of that compromise. So it, it could be really yeah, interesting. Kind of, I mean, yeah, well, I just I didn't know if we wanted to call Elon and, you know, all those LS swap <laughs> Teslas and in kind of get that deal going listen we already know that's a money maker waiting to happen just just swap <laughs> the ls's into teslas and and get it going i mean elon said it himself but um that said i think the issue with the factory stock was those guys made enough power that it outran the chassis right they they had those yeah. um uh, what is it uh 750 certs and they're running up against 750 they're, they're like okay where do we go and this is the option then for them to really uncork the horsepower that is potentially made from these things so it could get real fun in a hurry and uh really excited about this but this marks the kickoff so uh you know not much more to say about that other than uh we saw a card go down the track in that factory x trim and uh stay tuned because i'm fired up yeah, I'm definitely excited about that one. All right, let's bring this thing back in. JP, let's take a peek in the other lane. What do you say? Let's do it. Let's take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode 118. And there it is. There's the wind light and JP, our girl. Little Brannigan. Or a man. Uh, I've said it many times, but uh, that was a that was a woman right there, JP. That was a woman. Okay. All right. I got a little sidetracked. But um, anyway, um, <laughs> back to reality. Uh, we had a great week this week, JP. Uh, man, I got a little distracted. Um, uh, Tisha Wilson came on. Tisha was a great interview. Um, unbelievable. Appreciate yeah. her coming on. And Joey Crudmore with uh, talking about how to save our lives in the event of an accident was a really good interview as well. And then, you know, we talked some good stuff. We had a good conversation about uh, naming race cars and and um, the results this week and Factory X. Man, what a good week. This was, I mean... I would probably break my arm trying to pat myself on the back this week because we had a good episode. I liked it. Yeah, great episode. Great guest. Uh, great topic. So uh, I'm excited for this one to, to drop. Yeah. Do us a favor, everybody. A, um, make a comment on Facebook and just say, hey, what, what you liked, what you didn't like. I mean, you can. we got thick skin, so whatever. But uh, maybe make a comment there about what you'd like to hear more of. And then also go make a comment on 
SoundCloud or, or iTunes, wherever you listen to this podcast, make a comment. It helps. We don't know why. We just know the algorithms want commentary. So you can tell them to say, hey, I always keep the rubber side down or I'm a door car guy or, or uh, dang it, let me out of this truck. I don't care, but just something in there would be good. We'd appreciate it because we're moving up the, the ladder. It helps the algorithms. That's all. So thank you for that we don't even know why we just know that it's important yep definitely important so, so guys they girls, blow horns to the front. yeah both horns to the front i mean <laughs> you know that's that's a good one actually you know, something <laughs> just some commentary we need we need uh the keystrokes in the commentary action that would be good thank you for for doing that uh guys girls i hope you enjoyed it keep the rubber side down and travel safe episode of the fast brackets podcast is brought to you by winlight bets winlight bets is the fastest gaming action on earth using the fastest motorsport on earth go to the winlight bets facebook page like and follow to be up to date on all the latest information around gaming and your favorite sport drag racing